Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Peter Knobloch. Thanks for being on the show, Peter. Thanks for having me, Whitney. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate your time as well, Peter, and being on the show and offering your expertise and experience to the listeners as well. And so before we get into Peter, I want to remind the listeners to go to the Facebook group, the Real Estate Syndication Show, where you can ask questions of, of experts like Peter, and you can leave questions for me to ask on the show. And you can also just network and meet other people that are going through their syndication journey as well and growing their businesses and other people that are hopefully more experienced that, that can answer questions or and, and maybe you can throw a rope down to help other people that are behind you as well. Also go to LifeBridge Capital where where you and I can connect personally. And then back to Peter Knobloch. Peter's real estate investment expertise includes investment identification, underwriting analysis, negotiations, acquisitions, development, equity funding, debt financing, asset management, and valuations up to $300 million. Fields and specialties include CFO, COO, CEO, operational management and consulting, private equity and capital, business strategy plans, business valuations, business restructuring, and financial analysis. Now, 10 years ago, he and his wife flipped a three-bedroom condo purchased from a bank out of foreclosure for $50,000. It was a mess. They renovated the entire condo for about $20,000, carpet drapes, Bathroom, kitchen, painting, lighting, etc. 18 months later, sold for 150000 They did all the work except for the kitchen. So, Peter, thank you again for your time. I'd love for you to give the listeners a little more about what you're currently doing in real estate and, and, you know, and let's dive in. Well, thank you. Again, I appreciate being on your show. Well, back in May, early May, I decided after uh, 10 years in the family business that I had purchased, and now we're in the process of selling it, to get back into real estate. Early in my career, I worked for an investment firm, and it was my responsibility to do the syndication for our captive pool of investors. And the principal tasked me with doing everything basically from the cradle to the grave, finding the apartment buildings, negotiating the purchase, acquiring the debt, and working with our attorneys to write up the private placement memorandum. I also did the financial analysis, which I love. I've been doing spreadsheets now for well over 30 years. That's one aspect that I really, really enjoy is getting in and doing the numbers crunching. Uh, It really is very, very enjoyable. I formed a real estate syndication holding company. It's an LLC. And I spent the last 60 to 70 days putting all the systems in place and making contacts, cultivating some very good relationships across the country. I'm based here in California. And I made a decision that I'm not going to be buying any properties in California for a number of reasons. The number one being that it's just overpriced and it just doesn't make economic sense. So I'm looking for properties and am looking for properties in the Midwest and the Southwest regions and a few states on the East Coast. And I've looked at a lot of great properties and I've made some offers on a few, but I'm being very, very picky because I want to buy smart and buy right. And of course, The other task is finding passive investors, which I'm working on as well. But that's an ongoing process, as you know. All right. So you're active. You're out there looking. You're trying to find that deal like all of us are, right? And so 
you know, I'd like to know though what you're doing right now to increase your deal flow. How are you looking at more properties? And then I'd look, and we'll get into some other things you mentioned. No, that's a great question. And I know that's something that your listeners can empathize with because when you're trying to get started and you're trying to get a deal flow going where you're getting people sending you deals, I looked at a lot of sources, both online and actually first person contact with individuals. I'm doing everything that I can to find sources for the properties. I've subscribed to a number of multifamily apartment brokerage sites. I've identified the target cities and the areas that I want to invest in. And I've made phone calls looking for commercial real estate brokers. And I'm more particular about that. I I prefer to work with the brokers that have an investment, uh, commercial real estate investment background, or they have some investment experience. And that way they can understand and get up to speed rather quickly. Then I I developed an investment criteria to one page. It talks about, you know, the property type, the characteristics in terms of age, roof, utilities, minimum occupancy, geographic locations, the size, the deal size, and of course, the demographics. And what I do is I go in first and I qualify the market first. I've looked at some fantastic, you know, investment opportunities for properties, but the market just doesn't support it. So I've passed on them. So the bottom line is you've got to look at every possible source available, both online and, you know, cultivating those personal relationships with those individuals. Property managers are an absolute wealth of knowledge and experience, as well as real estate attorneys. Awesome. So if you, numerous things that you've mentioned, uh, I want us to dive into a little bit. And so you said, you know, you've identified markets you want to invest in, but then there's other markets that you're passing on. And I'd love to know some of those reasons why, you know, the, about the markets that you want to invest in and the other markets why you've passed. Well, at the end of the day, the market has got to support the property because as I said, you can find a fantastic property. It pencils out. There's, it, it offers a fantastic return you know, all of those things line up in terms of the numbers, but if the market is not there to support it in the up and and down swings of a economic cycle, then there's really no point to it. As an example, job diversity. When I look at a market, I want to make sure that no single industry employs more than 25% of the population base. I'm looking for low unemployment, stabilized, medium household income, 50,000 or more. There's a very strong supply and demand. Population base of 175,000 within a five-mile, you know, metropolitan area. Five-year population trends shows that, you know, there's an uptick of people moving into the area and that there's some major employers that are moving in or have had an established, you know, business profile there for some time. So all told together, these tell me that, look, it's a vibrant, stable economy with a strong population base. And those are the, in my opinion, the ingredients that you need for your renters. Yes. So no, some great points there and, you know, things you're looking for when you are identifying a market. And so anything specifically that you've recently seen in a market that you said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not investing in that market. Yes. For example, I was looking at the Las Vegas market. I had put Las Vegas, the Nevada area as one of my areas that I'm interested in, probably due to selfishness because of proximity. (laughs) But unfortunately, the Las Vegas market, the demographics, they have such extreme swings up and down. 
I'm just very, very concerned about that. Another market that I really wanted to invest in is Arizona, but the pricing is now starting to get up to where it equals California because there's so many people moving in there. You can find a good deal. And I, and I just want to make a comment about that. When I was starting in the real estate business, I heard that you know you can find a good deal about every week, but now you can basically find a good deal about every other day. And the way that I look at the real estate market is kind of like a multi-story parking garage, you know, at a mall. Sometimes in the years, it's going to be very, very busy, like during the holidays and summer periods. And when you get there, it's just filled with people and cars and you don't think you're going to get a parking space. And other times of the year, it's going to be slow and there's not going to be a lot of people there. But the bottom line is that if you're patient and you're persistent, there's always people coming in and there's always people exiting. There's always people coming in and out of the market for whatever reason. You just have to be persistent and patient and diligent and looking for that right deal. Nice. I'd like to hear more about your number crunching that, that you talked about. You love so much and just the financial analysis. Maybe we can talk about that for a little bit since you, you love that part of it. I can't say that like the numbers part is my favorite part of this process or, or business, but thankfully I partnered with somebody that that is their favorite part, you know, but would love to hear, you know, about how you're analyzing deals and maybe some things you've seen in different markets and, and what, what you're doing maybe different than other people. No, I, I really thoroughly enjoy it because I've been doing it for such a long time. About a year and a half after I, I got married, a friend of mine contacted me from Texas and says, hey, let's start up a business, an import-export business. And so I said, sure. And so I bought the first compact portable computer with Lotus 123. And from that day on, I've been loving it. At the investment firm where I worked, I did the analysis and I put together all of the statements. And then I did three years in commercial real estate development where we did these multi-use development projects up to 300 million. What I mean by multi-use is that we bought a pad of property and we put a hotel, a restaurant, retail, and sporting clubs and on this property. And I was responsible for doing all of the, the analysis and the number crunching, putting together the business plan, doing the investment analysis, cash flow projections, and so on. And I thoroughly enjoyed it and loved it. And I've been doing that ever since. And when I formed this company, I put together, I spent the time and I built my own spreadsheet. I know there's a lot of great ones out there and there really are. My advice about it is if you don't have one, find someone that you can mentor with to learn how to use it. Because buying someone and getting someone else's spreadsheet is kind of like walking into a movie halfway. You understand the context, but you really don't understand what's going on. And, and it takes a while. But I built a spreadsheet that really does a fantastic job of covering all the bases as far as the econometrics go and looking at a property. One feature that I built in that I really enjoy is the two key critical documents are the, are the trailing 12 months P&L for the property and the rent roll, the current existing rent roll. And I built into my spreadsheet the way to drop in the rent rolls with the dates that the lease expires. And I built a formula such that it captures the rent roll and it shows you the rent going up to the time that that lease expires that you can either, you know, renovate and get in there and renovate or adjust the rent upwards as needed. Because a lot of people I've seen over the years, they go, they look at the rent roll and they go, well, these rents are kind of under market. And they go, yeah, we can, we can jump these up. And they put together these pro forma showing a static jump saying, well, in this year, we're going to raise the rents X. 
3%. And then this year they're going to go up. But that's not realistic because every lease is on a different timeline. And so what it does is it offers a more accurate and takes into consideration the timing and the magnitude of the rents. So in yours, you can do it by the month instead of by the year? Exactly. It takes yes. the rent roll and, and it lays it out over the five-year period. And, and the formula captures when each of those rent leases come up and they, and they roll over. I really like that. So in some models that we've been trying to use and, and, you know, trying to figure out which one, you know, are building our own and all this stuff, you know, and using different ones. One thing I, I'm glad you brought that up because one thing I really disliked was it's, it's all like annual, you know, so like, and I'm like a property that we were looking at was a massive rehab and, you know, we would be pulling three buildings. I think it was 32 buildings. We'd be pulling three buildings at a time off, like off the market, you know, so to remodel those and then, you know, going three at a time. And, and we were allowing sometimes for even up to 50% vacancy if we had to, you know, just through that remodel, but, but it may, it wouldn't be for a whole year. Exactly. You know? And and so I, I love that you thought through that. And because that's something we're, you know, we were also doing. It's like, I want to, I want to be able to put it in for the first month, a specific vacancy if I want to in the second month and third month, and maybe it changes in the fourth month or the sixth month or, you know, or it gets more, you know, it's, it's higher or less or, you know, and actually be able to model that out a little more accurately than just all year. This is what it is. Exactly. A lot of people I've seen do annual projections. What I've done is I've done a five-year by month, and then the totals for each of the year roll into an annual so you can get the annual mm -hmm. statements and see that. Right. The other thing I built was an executive summary. Uh, some people call it a dashboard, but it's a single spreadsheet that captures all of the assumptions and all of the key information. I mean, it's quite compact, but you can look at it from an investment perspective, a banking lender financing perspective, payback, capital structure. I can play with the asking price and then it automatically adjusts everything and it works extremely well. I'm, I'm very, very pleased with it. The thing you have to remember, no spreadsheet is ever done. You're always doing these fine little tweaks on it because things change, markets change, you know, conditions change, but it's, it's, it's always a work in progress. I think that's an excellent point is that that spreadsheet is never complete. It's all, there's always ways to improve it. And, and are there any other ways that maybe you've improved your sheet that, that maybe the ones that most people are buying right now that wouldn't have, or they wouldn't know that's, that they should have in there. Any, anything that, you, that you've added? One thing that kind of like a little bit of a minefield is dealing with the investment analysis, the IRR, the returns. It requires a certain level of sophistication to understand how that's put together. And if it's not done it, exactly right and correct, it can throw off your investment return quite a bit. So that's something that I would, you know, counsel and make a suggestion, be very, very careful with that. You've got to make sure that you're deadly accurate with that investment return. The other thing is that I've built my spreadsheet in such a way that when I'm putting together a, a pitch deck or a slide deck for investors, all of that information goes into another spreadsheet that is professional looking. It's for the investor. It provides a nice summary, the investment analysis, the, the sources and uses, how the capital is going to be used, the timeline, description of the property, all those things that are needed and necessary for an investor to be informed about the, you know, the potential investment. I think that's a great point there too, is like, what information should we bring out of here to put in an investor deck or, you know, an offering or, but then how do we make it so it's, it's easily understandable? 
mm-hmm. you know, to some to a potential investor. I mean, some are very sophisticated, but not all, you know, want to want to see everything, you know. So how, how do you handle that? I know you, you mentioned you're putting some of those things in there, but what does that look like? Well, what what I've learned, and this is kind of a general observation, is that what I've noticed when people are first starting out, they put in too much information and it gets a little overwhelming. They figured, oh, I got to make sure I got everything in and rather give them too much than too little, which may or may not be true. But the point being is that if you can take a moment to step in the role as an investor, what would you want to know? And of course, you want to know who the syndicator is. Do they have the experience? Can you trust them? Does this investment fit within my investment criteria as an investor? Because it, it, there is substantial risk in it. There's no guarantees of the returns or, or, you know, when you're executing the business plan. You know, have they done this before? Do the returns look reasonable? Are the assumptions that are underlying the five-year business plan, do they look reasonable given the market and given the property? Because, you know, you can get a property that needs a little bit of, you know, what I call cosmetic curbside appeal makeup. And then you have other properties that, well, you've got to go in and upgrade, you know, the electrical and there's some exterior work, the roofing, you know, all these things that really add up a lot. So the point being is that you really have got to think as an investor and, and determine what, you know, what would it look like? What would I want to know as an investor? The other thing too is look, talk to investors, find out what their investment criteria is. You know, what are they looking for in an investment? Look for seasoned investors. And of course, this falls into looking for, you know, a good team and, and perhaps a mentor that can help you. So what is your buying criteria right now, Peter? I'm looking for obviously multifamily class B and C value add. That's the properties that when I was in the investment firm, that's the properties that we went after. As my father used to say, because he was in real estate and his parents were in real estate. So I've I've been around it all my life. So you want to buy the ugly ducking on the block, so to speak, where you can go in and actually do some value add to the property. And what I'm looking for is an opportunity to go in and cosmetically improve the property. Yes, rents are under market. It's the operational management needs some upkeep, of course. Anything that I can do to add value. I'm looking for a cash on cash of 10% or greater as it sits. I look at a property as it sits today. Is Does it get me close to that? As far as a levered property with debt, 15% IRR. Cap rates depend upon the, the market. And of course, price to rent ratio is 1% or greater. I would prefer 1980s or, or earlier pitched roof, you know, that has some life left on it. And then ideally, individually metered water and utility uh, electrical, but that's not always the case, but that's okay. Peter, what's been the hardest part of the syndication journey for you? I'll have to say the passive investors, you know, because I, I, I have all the skill sets that I need for everything else that I've been doing is just cultivating those relationships with the passive investors. Fortunately, I've been making, I've been going out and I've been meeting with individuals and I've got a, a list of 50 to 60 people. I, basically, I sat down and said, okay, who are my friends and family? And I put the list together and one by one, I'm, I'm letting them know what I'm doing and I'm starting to get some very, very good positive feedback. The key here is to put a list together and have a discussion, you know, have the courage to go out and have that conversation and you'll be pleasantly surprised. And the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. 
no doubt about it. You got to step out there. Even if the first few are really bad, Mm -hmm. you're going to learn a lot from it and you're going to be further ahead because of it. You eventually have to have that conversation though with those investors and everybody's terrified of that first one, you know, or two or three. But if you don't start, you're never going to get past that first two or three or one, you know, four or five, whatever. And what I've learned is just be extremely honest, open and transparent. And if you don't have the experience, then partner with someone who does, you know, create a vision you know, what does it look like for you? And if it's realistic and it's reasonable, then then just commit and do it. And once you commit, amazing things happen. Doors open that you could never possibly imagine. You'll, and people will be brought into your life and you'll meet people. I can't tell you how many times that I met someone and, and they're wonderful, but it didn't turn out to be anything. But they knew someone who knew someone. The thing to remember is just to keep trying and keep going. And wonderful things will happen. You'll have your ups and downs, your struggles, but those struggles are telling you that these are kind of the weak points that you need to focus on and and they can become strengths. So, Peter, how are you prepared for another downturn or how do you prepare for another downturn? Well, that's a great question. And I know that there's a lot of chatter going around about a, a, a pending recession. I'm a big believer in business cycles and economic cycles. And we've had we're going on 10 plus years of this expansion. Uh, it's been fantastic, but I'm not really concerned about it because I'm going to be buying properties and structuring them in such a way as to, to ride out these you know dips in the economy. And so that's really what I'm focused on. You've got to buy smart. You've got to not over leverage yourself too much. Cash is king. Make sure you have substantial operating reserves and just be very smart you know, watching your money and taking care of your, your renters. So Peter, what's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Take the time to sit down and write out a plan, a strategy, if you will. You've got, you know, I've been a CFO for 15 plus years and I've done turnarounds and startups. And one of the things I do when I meet with them is I say, you need to verbalize what your vision is for your company in some time frame, three, five, 10 years, whatever it is. And then I deal with four things, strategy, structure, people, and processes. Those four key things. You've got to have a strategy for your vision. You've got to build a structure around that strategy and that will support it. And you've got to get with the right people who share your vision, your passion. And then you got to put the systems in place. And if you do those four things, and they do overlap, you will have, in my opinion, the best ingredients for success. You can't focus too much on the strategy and neglect the systems or get too involved with the people and neglect the structure. You've got to balance all four of those as you move forward with your, your real estate investment. And, and again, I'm coming from a place of, of building a company, a syndication company, buying multifamily apartments. I know there's wholesalers out there, there's flippers, all types of real estate investment, but there's some basic fundamentals that cross all lines of business. So what's your best advice for taking care of investors so they want to come back? Communication, transparency, and honesty. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Both good news, not so good news, but you've got to stay in communication with your investors. Let them know that you're doing your very best, being completely transparent, and letting them know that you understand what their investment tolerances are and that you are doing your absolute very best to meet those. And if you do those things, 
it'll help you tremendously. What, what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Consistency and diligence. I mean, I'm not unique or special in any way in the sense of business. We all go through times where we doubt or question what we're doing, you know, fears. But what I've learned is that if you push through those fears and those, those doubts and do your best, great things will happen. Like I said, I, I really enjoy, I love real estate. It's just so much fun. It suits my personality extremely well. And I, I love the number crunching. It's, it's just a, a lot of fun. So how do you like to give back, Peter? If I can be of help or service, I've gotten emails, I've made contacts, I've gone into a lot of networking groups, and I've had people contact me through email and ask questions, and I'm more than happy to help in that regard, if, based on my experience, both business and real estate. I appreciate that a lot, Peter. I appreciate how you've, you've told us about how you look at a market and things you've added to your spreadsheet uh, that's helped you to be more successful in analyzing deals. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. Well, I've got a website. It's the name of my company is Argo Capital Group, and it's www.argocapgroup.com. And uh, you can go to my website and and you can reach out to me. I have a phone number and email and a little bit of information and, and my track record and what I'm focusing on. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.